Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. And again, please don't see God as being cruel. You know, they're, they've got it pretty good now. I'm just going to have to teach them a thing or two. No, 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 no. It's more like this. If they only knew what I have for them, but they can't see it. They're settling for that when I want to show them this. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Many of us are probably thrown off by the idea of God purposefully allowing or even instigating trials and sufferings in our lives. However, if we grow complacent in our walk and settle for less than the Lord, this is exactly what we should expect. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, God will do whatever it takes for us to grow in our relationship with Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Purpose of Suffering. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Why? Because I may learn your statutes. In other words, God will bring the affliction. He will allow the suffering so that we draw near to Him, so that He has our attention, so that He has us all to Himself, because He wants to show us something. Imagine it like this. Hey, come here. I want to show you something. Okay. I want to teach you something. You need to come with me. And the only way I could get you to come with me, turn to me, draw near to me, is to allow the suffering. This is why David could say it was good to be afflicted. Perhaps you've heard it said, God comforts the afflicted. But have you also heard it said that sometimes God will afflict the comfortable? Now, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you don't want to hear that. What do you mean he wants to afflict the comfortable? Well, sometimes we just get too content, too comfortable, and you'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but we become too comfortable in our cotton candy Christianity. Did you just really say that, Pastor? Yes, I did. What's cotton candy Christianity? Oh, it's just the fluff. It's like the Lord saying, you know, I've got prime rib, baby. Prime rib. Over here. And you're too caught up and in this fluffed up cotton Christianity. And you keep going in that direction, it's going to rot the teeth of your Christian life. David could say it was good to be afflicted and suffer because of what God taught him and showed to him in and through that suffering. 
That's the purpose of the suffering. And again, please don't see God as being cruel. You know, they're, they've got it pretty good now. I'm just going to have to teach them a thing or two. No, 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 no. It's more like this. If they only knew what I have for them, but they can't see it, they're settling for that when I want to show them this. Sometimes, I'll even say oftentimes, the purpose that God has in allowing the suffering is that God may actually be sparing me from a greater suffering and or preparing me for a greater blessing. Hear me out. I'll explain what I mean by this. And I'll start first with how it is that sometimes God will allow that trial into our lives for the purpose of sparing us from a greater trial that could actually destroy our lives. In Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, the account is in verses 22 through 32. We have this account of Jesus knowingly sending his disciples into a storm. We're told that Jesus, and this is a key word, immediately, like there was urgency. And I never see Jesus in the Gospels ever in a hurry, but this time there does seem to be an urgency because he immediately made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He is not in the boat with them. Rather, he goes to a mountaintop to pray The disciples find themselves in the middle of this perilous life and death storm, as was common, by the way, out of nowhere, there on the Sea of Galilee. A storm could strike, and we're told it was in the dark of night, and they became so fearful, so much so that they really thought, This is how it ends. They're so full of fear that when they see Jesus walking on the water, they actually think he's a ghost. And we're told that they cry out in fear. I see it more like this. They they started screaming. They were so afraid. They're wailing, thinking it's it's a ghost. When Jesus sees how afraid they are, we're told he immediately, there's that word again, immediately tells them, don't be afraid, be of good cheer. Then what's really interesting is Peter, to his credit, is the only one that says, Lord, if it's you, he wasn't sure, Lord, if it's you, then command me to come to you on the water. Bid me come. And Jesus says to Peter, come. And he does. 
and he's walking on water. And I'm sure you've heard many a sermons on how it is that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. But there's something else here that I believe explains why God would deem it necessary to have the Holy Spirit include such detail concerning what happened. So Peter walks on the water to go to Jesus, takes his eyes off of Jesus, looks at the storm, which is still raging. Jesus hasn't calmed that storm yet, but interesting to note, as maybe a side note, he's walking on the very thing that they are terrified of. And he comes to them, and oh, by the way, I, I believe that when he was on, and for those of you who go to Israel with us, you know the topography there on the Sea of Galilee. He goes up to the mountaintop where he is in full view. He can see exactly what's going on. And, oh, we're told that he went to the mountaintop on the other side to pray. What do you think he was praying about? Maybe better ask, who do you think it is that he was praying for? I submit to you that he was praying for the disciples whom he had knowingly sent into the storm. That, that might jam some of your gears. I know that jammed my gears for many years early in my Christian walk. It's like, wait a minute, Lord, you sent me into this storm. That's kind of mean, isn't it? Where's the love? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Oh, but so many things the Lord showed me and taught me in those storms that He knowingly sent me in, one of which was that you can be right smack in the middle of God's will for your life, yet be right smack in the trial of your life. In other words, just because things are going very wrong, (laughs) things are getting really bad, the trial is getting very hard, that doesn't mean that you're not in God's will. In fact, it may very well be that you're in the middle of that trial because you're in the middle of God's will. Do not interpret the adversity in your life as that not being God's will for your life. So let's get back to why it is that Jesus would do this. Why would He knowingly send them into this perilous life and death storm? And why, pray tell, would He be so immediate about it and urgent about it? Well, again, the details in the text. I believe, as one has suggested, it was because he wanted to spare them from what could have been an even more perilous storm. What do you mean? Oh, think about this. They had just got done witnessing this miracle of feeding some believe, well nigh 20,000 people. 
in the Gospels, it only counts the men, but they had children and wives with them. They just got done witnessing and participating, by the way, in this miracle of feeding that many people with a boy's lunch. Can you imagine? They, they were taking these baskets, and every time they would put their hand in to give somebody fish or bread, there was more fish and more bread. Can you imagine how the people must have felt and what they must have thought about that? Can you imagine the disciples? I'll speak of myself. If, If that was me, I'm like, yeah, dig in. Wow, this is a miracle. I know. (laughs) Thank you very much. Wow, it is. I think of Peter at the Mount of Transfiguration. It is good for us to be here. In fact, afterwards, here's what I'm doing. I hope you don't think less of me if I say this (laughs) and disclose this. I'm just being honest with you. I would go up to Jesus. I'd say, Jesus, this was amazing. We have 20,000 people here. This is, let's start First Church of the Fish and Loaves, and I'll be the pastor. We got an instant mega church, man. No, get in the boat. I don't want to leave. No, get in the boat. Immediately. Get in the boat, because if you stay here, I know what's going to happen to you. Because pride and a haughty spirit always leads to a fall, even destruction. And I'm trying to protect you from that. That's the greater trial. Have you ever thought of it that way? That that trial you're in, as perilous as it is, is the Lord's way of protecting you? from what could be even greater and more perilous still. Not only does God spare us from the greater storm, so too will He also prepare us for a greater blessing. Here's why. Now that God has tried and tested us, He's able to entrust us with that which he has for us. I think of Joseph. God was preparing him for that which he was preparing for him. You don't just make a man the most powerful man in the world without first preparing them for that position. Otherwise, you'll be party to their fall and destruction. They won't be able to handle it. So he had to prepare him for 17 long, very painful years through perilous storms. And then, when he had been tried and tested, he was then entrusted with that position as the most powerful man in the world, save Pharaoh. And so too does God do this with us. But first, he has to prepare us, and sometimes that preparation process can be very painful, very difficult. It was A.W. Tozer who famously said, 
It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Again, please, don't think of this as God being cruel. No. God's preparing us for that which He's preparing for us. God desires to bless us in ways we could never imagine. Exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ever comprehend or wrap our minds around. But He can't entrust us with a blessing of that magnitude until He first prepares us, until He first breaks us. And isn't it interesting how we're told that when you break a bone, it heals stronger at the point of the break? God is strengthening us. He's breaking us, but He's strengthening us and preparing us so He can bless us. Charles Spurgeon, we uh, had a couple quotes from him last week, but as you probably know, he suffered greatly from depression. I mean, well, it was a very deep depression. Listen to what he says about this. This depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The cloud is black before it breaks and overshadows before it yields its deluge of mercy. I want to close with one final thought. And it has to do with what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 1. I'll read verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share, here it is again, We share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. So also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. One final thought. Could it be that God has allowed this season of suffering in your life for the purpose of comforting somebody else who is going through something that you've earned the right to speak into their lives concerning. You can share with them how God was there for you when you were sitting there in that cold doctor's office on the receiving end of that diagnosis 
devastating diagnosis. You can share with them and encourage them and comfort them because you know what it's like to come home one day only to have your husband, your wife say to you, I'm done. I'm done. You've been there. You've tasted from that cup of suffering. And the Lord comforted you in that suffering. And now He has purposed you to comfort somebody else who is suffering in the same way. I know for my wife and I, we have been able to encourage and comfort those who have experienced the death of a child. Because when our child, our daughter Noel, died, God comforted us and got us through that extremely painful time. And now I can say to someone, and have over the years, in fact, we had a, well, ah, I wish I had more time. Don't you hate it when, when I do that? <laughs> oh, ah, never mind. I don't have time to, no, what? Okay, here's, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been privileged to hug many a, parent who has wept bitterly over the death of their son or their daughter. And there are no words in the English language as faulty as it is to describe to you how much of a blessing it is. It makes it worth it. As hard and as painful as it was, and no, I would never want to have to go through that again, but God... What God did and what God still does because of that suffering is beyond words. Maybe that difficulty in your marriage that you're going through right now, maybe that financial reversal that you're going through right now, maybe that difficult situation in the workplace that you're going through right now, God's there with you. He's comforting you, and it may very well be that He's preparing you to bless and minister to somebody else. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. 
This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 